welcome to the Self-Help Podcast, a weekly no-nonsense guide dedicated to your emotional health and well-being. Presented by entrepreneur Edward Lamb and psychotherapist Sean Orford. For more information, visit liveinthepresent.co.uk. Okay, hello, welcome to episode 451 of the Self-Help Podcast with me, Ed Lamb, and my good pal, Sean Orford. How are you, Sean? I'm very good. I'm very good, but I'm cold. Well, it is winter, isn't it? And I sort of segue into the uh, the topic for the week. Yeah, yeah. I, I have an added issue, though. Because of my long COVID, which I'm having a second lot of blood for yesterday, um, is that I've got this Raynos thing. And I can go outside just to put some stuff in the bin, say, so like, like a minute, and I'm back in. My hands have turned white and gone numb. Wow. Okay. It's really bizarre. So I, I'm heightened. I have a heightened awareness of cold this winter, which Eesh. I've never had before ever. Wow. All right. Interesting. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we're kind of leading off from last week. We took was it last week we did Blue Monday? I think it was. Um, so we are in that time of year when we get to, to make some decisions on how we. Well, it can feel like we haven't got the decision to make because it's cold and it's grey and it's you know we're we're trapped indoors um, and all that kind of stuff. So we'll we'll talk about that and just feed on nicely from last week. But yeah, um, breaking news in this family is that finally our um, our kind of rubbish uh, attempts at keeping the virus out have uh, have been broken. Our defences have been broken, and we've got a, my youngest boy is tested positive a couple of days ago. So. Finally, it reaches us. You can run, but you can't hunt. Yeah, the- no. it's going. It's gone through his classroom, his class at school, like you wouldn't believe. Man, there's, there's a little WhatsApp group, and yeah, kids have been dropping. Mm. Um, and yeah, every, all the kids are fine, and uh, the, the family. We, it hasn't. Uh, uh, none, none of the rest of us are testing positive in the family yet. Right. Um, so I hadn't really done any testing at all up until a couple of weeks ago, and now all of a sudden I'm. Uh, we're drowning in all this horrible plastic testing kits just lying around. And that actually really worries me. I mean, I, I do one a week mainly before I go out and do the factories and things, so I know I'm clear. Um, but if I go into the factory, they all do it every day. So how many millions of those plastic things are being chucked out every day? Uh, it's scary when you look at it. Dread to think. I <laughs> dread to think, you know. one. Pandemic replaced with another plastic pandemic, but yeah, yeah. What can you do, Lemonex? So uh... I, I was reading a bit of research on the positive end um, this week about batteries, and there's a new formulation of battery coming along, uh, which they reckon could be usable by 2023, which would give you a thousand miles on a charge in a car. Oof! Or ten thousand miles on an e-bike. Yeah, you need to read. <laughs> You've got, re- got, re- got this car brain, Sean. You've got to, uh, yeah, you've got to rewire your brain. <laughs> I'm just rewiring my car. But yeah, uh, I, yeah I, I do follow that stuff loosely now about battery technology and, um, and all that stuff. But uh, mm. again, you'd think of a, think of the resources needed for, for those batteries and all the scaling it all up. And uh, Can you remember there was a time when you and I were going to build a Tesla generator yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. kind of loop system of wires and stuff where you generate yeah, yeah. Infinite electricity. Yeah. Yeah. I think we should do that. I think we should resurrect that and yeah. build a Tesla generator. Job for the spring, man. Let's do it. Let's let's uh, yeah. 
yeah, and start planning now and getting some bits and bobs together for it. I, I will make a note. Infinite free electricity for, for you and me. Yeah. And then we can... No one else. And then we can scale up the company to some huge... I could be the next Elon Musk. Uh, and then finally, we'll have all the time in the world just to sit down and just do this podcast every week. Like, that's what yeah, we all yeah. want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, wonderful. So, yeah. <laughs> Fun times, but uh, all right, let's crack on with the show um, because yeah, you've written a blog post, as you always do, which is available on our website, liveinthepresent.co.uk. Um, so have a read about that. And yeah, we talked about Blue Monday, which was last last week, the most miserable day of the year, if you buy into that kind of thing. Spoiler alert, it doesn't have to be, but it, there is some interesting kind of science behind it. Uh, yeah. But let's, we're going to talk a bit more generally about winter and surviving the, the cold or the that's sort of right. So sort of, not even been that cold, to be honest, in the UK this winter. But um, oh, that, that, that was the thing, though, wasn't it? It's like coming up towards Christmas, it was really warm. And there were some lovely days. And it was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And then it was like, was this global warming? And then there was that kind of, you know. Uh, and then suddenly, uh, over the last few weeks, it's suddenly gone, bump, and it's gone cold. And I'm looking on the news and there's a tsunami here and a... Um, and floods are going on there, and then there's still forest fires burning, and it's like, oh my god, you know, what's actually going on? The, we- the yeah. weather really seems to be a bit strange at the moment. A little bit. Yeah. Wonder what it could be. Um, but yeah, I mean, in the UK, at least, yeah, it, it's kind of dropped a little bit, and it's got quite chilly, and it is grey. And the night, I mean, the nights are getting a bit shorter now. You can, I can, I've spotted. Mm. So there's light at the end of the tunnel. But you know, tr- traditionally for humankind, this is the time of year when. Uh, we're allowed to slow down and we're allowed to to stay at home a bit more and get cosy and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but some of us find it hard to kind of fight that, I guess, don't we? But I think the thing that's really weird was um, we all started off near the equator. And near the equator, there was loads of food and there weren't really seasons. It was like, you know, pretty much summer all the time, go and get food when you want kind of thing. Um, and then we decided to emigrate north and south um, and start to take over the planet the further north we go the less option there is to to have food so you you develop the farming and then you end up in a situation where you can't grow anything in the winter so we had this kind of sort of dead period anyway which you wouldn't have had if you're on the equator because you wouldn't be thinking about that Mm -hmm. yeah so that if your barns are full come harvest okay you can slide through to spring but that meant that people gathered together in the barns and did all the repairs, repaired the, the tools and you know, repaired the nets and that kind of stuff. So they did all that kind of stuff. But they also uh, joined in socially. Um, and that was when lots of inventions started to happen because people were had the space and the time and they were starting to put things together. Uh, lots of storytelling going on. But also games. You know, like up in the, in the Northern Hemisphere, we have loads of board games. You know, and we're playing all these games all winter. And it's like lots of people at Christmas are like, oh, you know, we get the ball games out. Yeah. Um, they don't tend to do that when you go to the equator. There are a few games with kind of stones and stuff like that, but they don't have this kind of elaborate industry mm. of things, things to fill up dark winter nights, which mm. we do. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating how the evolution has kind of gone on when you look when we look back at that and then um yeah, I mean, it's getting pretty hot around the equator now, and that's where the more intense heat is being 
is seen. And so people are being pushed away from the equator and more people pushed north and south, I guess, which will come with it and that will come with its own set of stresses for civilization. Um, and it also comes probably a bit of a culture shock, you know, if you're kind of emigrating or you've been, um, you're a refugee from Syria or um, somewhere in the Middle East, that kind of way. And all of a sudden you're, you've washed up in the UK or Finland or Germany or some a country that you've kind of sought, sought refuge in. Um, I wonder what it's like that first kind of winter <laughs> when you've, when you're not used to it, what it feels like and how you, how you adapt to it quickly. <clears throat> I, I had some people um, from Africa staying with me when I lived in Devon, and uh, they'd only ever experienced African summer and you know mild winter weather. Um, and they came, and they'd never seen snow before, and they were just absolutely fascinated that this white stuff fell out of the sky mm. and created this because it was quite deep snowdrifts then. Um, but also the cold; they'd never experienced the cold. Yeah. And they did. They didn't come with any clothes ready for that, so we had to get them clothes so that they um, could stay warm. Yep. They wanted to go out and, and kind of just touch the snow and play with the snow. And all that, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, what are your tips then when you when you're dealing with people that might be suffering from a bit of depression or feeling a bit down this time of year? And um, some basic stuff we've got in the in the kind of written down in terms of the the notes. Uh, but is is option one just to kind of send people off on holiday so they suddenly go and get some vitamin D down in wherever it is near the equator? <clears throat> well, I mean, ideally, in the world as it was, and travelling was okay, that's what you would do. And I always think, why on earth did we ever go for summer holidays? Why didn't we go for winter holidays and stay here in the summer? Because um, <laughs> um, that's when you need the, the hit of vitamin D is when it's dark. Um, <clears throat> but, I mean, the vitamin D is so, so important. 70% of Brits are vitamin D deficient. Vitamin D is the serotonin, it's the SAD syndrome, it's the depression, it's all that kind of stuff. You know, we need vitamin D. And if we can't get it from the sky and the sun, then we need to take supplements. You know, there's no other way around it. And, yeah. um, you know, yes, you can adjust your diet, but unless you're, you're going to eat phenomenal amounts of vitamin D, rich food then um is you're going to have to take a supplement and most people need to you know i'm not saying that everyone should rush out and buy vitamin d go and get a blood test get a blood test from gp so you know what your vitamin d status is and then work with it yeah you know um, um yeah i mean I, I haven't had a blood test in a while and i only kind of accidentally started taking them because i had a I passed out one day when i got up a bit too quickly so i got i got a blood test just to think just to um, just to see if there's anything, any anomalies, that kind of thing. And uh, oh, well, it did turn out that I had slightly high cholesterol, which was quite interesting to see. But I, I don't remember checking on my vitamin D. Uh, are there any other checks apart from getting a blood test that you can do to, to check your, your vitamin D or anything you can just kind of look out for? Or is it, it no, no you, you need a blood test, really? Okay, you know, so you know what's going on in your system. Um, and then uh, what would normally happen is you go for a blood test, they get you, give you a vitamin D marker, put you on mm. a supplement, and then three months later do another blood test, then three months later another blood test so they can check what's going on. Yeah, just to see how it fluctuates, because I'm sure we all yeah. naturally then in the Northern Hemisphere will have a, a, a some kind of deficiency or, or drop in vitamin D in the, in the yeah. winter months. But, but if it's 100% in the summer, drops to 50 in the winter, and then goes back up, that's fine. But if you're going in, into the winter and your vitamin D is already low, 
by the time you get to the winter, you're on your knees, and that's when people get really depressed. Because mm. to me, depression months are November and February. That's when I get the most depression. And years ago, I used to treat it psychologically. And now I say to everybody, you know, yes, you can do this, this, and this to try and make yourself feel better. <clears throat> but before we do any proper psychotherapy work, go and get your vitamin D checks. Go and have a blood test. So, you know, because the amount of people that come back know their vitamin D is on the ground and they don't need me, they need a vitamin D supplement. Yep. Yeah. Or all the other things that can get you vitamin D, obviously it's it's kind of less available from the sun at this time of year, but we've talked in, the, in your blog post about um, getting some exercise, which will just naturally, generally, assuming you're exercising outdoors, will get you outdoors. And from that, you will get the benefits of being outdoors, won't you? <clears throat> yeah, but also... And work in your body releases other endorphins in your brain so that you develop happy hormones. Mm. Um, and, and it is that thing about, you know, you think, oh, God, I can't be fast. Oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, no, no, no. Then you go and do it and you come back and think, oh, yeah, I feel good now. Yeah. yeah. But I you have to use the willpower to go and do it. Yeah, I think I mentioned it last week. I'd been in Birkenhead Park and I'd, um, I'd seen a group of people kind of congregating to go on a mums and tots uh, or a parent's yeah. kind of guided walk around the park. Yeah. So they were kind of, it was, and I just, yeah, mentioned it then, but it just ticked so many boxes. Obviously it's the getting outdoors, getting some exercise. Um, it wasn't particularly a bright day, but there'll be a bit of vitamin D going on yeah. there to a certain extent. Yeah. And then you're also getting that, that social interaction of just being around other people, which is. Yeah. Um, and and that, that's good for the adults, but it's also good for the kids. It works both ways, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Just gonna let my dog outside, let little Cooper out so he can get some vitamin D of his own. <laughs> Bark at the neighbours. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you can combine all three, four things in one go, man. I mean, it sounds it sounds obvious, doesn't it, when we say it here and dead easy? But you've just got to have that get up and go initially to kind of book yourself onto something in order to search for that local walking group or cycling group or running group, park run type thing, and then you just got to get off your ass and do it. Yeah. But also the whole thing about being social, being with other people, increases your endorphins. Yeah. Yeah? We, as hunter-gatherers, we lived in groups. We live in these little boxes. I mean, you're in a box. There's you, your son, and a dog. Yeah? If you were hunter-gatherers, there'd probably be 20, 30 people around you. Yeah? As, as part of your group. Um, yeah. And and that would, wouldn't include the ones that were out hunter-gathering and getting food and stuff. You know, there would be many more people in your group. But we live in these little isolated boxes, either on our own or just uh, you know, two, three, four of us. And yeah. and we were never designed to be like this. And then we wonder why we're a bit kind of... I know. Yeah, yeah. We, kind of, we have designed our lives, haven't we, a little bit to go against the kind of natural way of, of doing things. And we, I think we all know it deep down, don't we, that it's easier said than done to kind of snap out of uh, the habits that we've created. Yeah, and, and when you look at it, um, we spent 10,000 years developing these habits. Yeah, and like we're trying to change them now. Um, different people have had a crack at it since the Industrial Revolutions. You know, people have been trying to make it different. Uh, and to try and recapture some of that hunter-gatherer spirit. Um, but it's tough. It's hard to do. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, you've also mentioned, uh, there's a quick mention of uh, making love in the winter and getting getting up, getting cosy with your partner, um, your, your better half. Uh, and I think, is this, 
is this when the birth rate increases or kind of the, the, the yeah birth, birth rate goes up in the winter anyway um you know people go to bed earlier you know it's cold you cuddle up you know i mean it's so like there's a natural process going on there um but but it, it is a case of if it's darker and it's more miserable and you know that kind of stuff and so that people go to bed earlier for longer then the birth rate goes up and it goes up like 18 20 percent you know if we got a good winter we can really you know boost the birth rate so <laughs> in nine months time there'll be a whole load of people popping out <laughs> yeah. i love it amazing yeah. i mean yeah that's it's just that kind of natural rhythm of life isn't it that you talked about in the uh in your blog post that we need to rediscover and it will come quite naturally um i guess uh all this stuff not just the um the birth rate stuff but <clears throat> you know when you're in the when you're in the midst of maybe feeling a bit down or low in the winter and then you book up the courage or the energy to go for a walk with a friend or a group of friends or go for ride your bike or, or anything like that um it will feel you'll come back feeling charged and you'll it'll feel like ah i should have done this like weeks ago or i should do this every winter right yeah <laughs> we we had an, a, a live action example We'd walk, gone for a walk down on, on the, the seafront, yeah? and uh, there was a lady that looked at us, and we looked at her, and we ended up saying hello, and then we identified that she was a lady from across the road and up a bit, who we've, we've known there visually um, since all the time we've lived here, but we've never actually interacted. So we actually had this conversation with her, and she introduced her and told us about her husband, and we were telling her about us. So we now have this connection with people across the road that had we not gone for the walk, we wouldn't have done. And they mm. live just across the road. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's mad, isn't it? <laughs> but one of the things that, that when you're talking about uh, people going out for walks, people going out for bike rides, it is so true that if you walk out of your door and you walk down your road, you will meet your neighbours. If you pull your car out of your drive and you drive down the road, you will not meet anybody. Mm-hmm. You may have a kind of a beep, beep, um, higher, but that's it. You know, there's no interaction. You know. Um, yeah, I know. I mean, yeah, I know, I know I'm obsessed with all that stuff, but yeah, it's it's not about the car or the bike, it, 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 but the car has kind of shaped our environment completely in a, quite a negative way, you know, from, yeah. to the point where that neighbour that you've known for years has lived, you know, within however many metres of you, you know. Yeah. It's it's the car's fault that you haven't it, like met them properly before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's that barrier right well, down we, the middle of your street. <clears throat> yeah, I, I can blame the car, or I can blame me <laughs> for using the car, couldn't I? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah. Uh, and and, and it, when I look at it like that, you know, how many people do we know in our community? They reckon a hunter gatherer would have <laughs> um, had contact with about a thousand people. Um, over their lifetime, they would have had a thousand kind of close people in their different groups, yeah. And at any one time, they would have had between 150 and 250 people that they knew, which is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, whereas if we think about how many people in our community do we know, mm. you know, most people could probably do it on their on their fingers, you know, people that they really know, mm. yeah. Um, and from that point of view, we are really socially impoverished. Mm. 
Yeah, and one of the things that winter should should be doing for us, if we were all gathering together in the barns and working together to, you know, I don't know, make preserves and mend the nets and all that kind of stuff, um, is we would be interacting with people. But we don't. Even in the winter now, we're still blocking off into into our little boxes with a couple of people, and then we make the mistake of thinking that watching the television or being online is socialising, and it's not. Mm. You know, it really isn't. You know, we can pretend that it is, but it doesn't have any real social function. No, it's just no. papering over the cracks a little bit, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, what's your resource, Sean? Um, yeah. No, actually, we've well, done a podcast on Huyga. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've put one of the Huyga books down um, because that whole idea of, of Huyga, which is like a Scandinavian mm. concept, is the whole idea of that, how we all look after each other and, and in community and in family and all that kind of stuff and things being hygge that are warm and inclusive and really nice. Yeah, and I, I think it's so important and I think it's something that we have lost or are losing. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I'll, I'll try and remember to link to some of the podcasts we've, we've done on on that kind of way of life and what it, it's a term that's been hijacked a little bit by the candle brigade and like the warm cozy blanket brigade and like interior design almost um but it's been it's, yeah. it goes much deeper than that doesn't it <clears throat> yeah 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 and, and it's so profound um to, to the point I, I was reading some stuff about denmark and how um in denmark the population stood up and protected their jewish community and there were less percentage jews from denmark that got carted away to um, to camps than anywhere else in the world. And it really? was because, it, and to me, it's that whole kind of hygge of people looking after each other as a community. And they, they weren't worried about whether you were black, white, Jewish, Christian, whatever. Everybody turned out and protected the Jews. As soon as they knew the Nazis were coming, they were on it. Wow. You know, um, and, and to me, that is real hygge. And it's like, we don't do that. Mm. We don't protect the people around us. We don't look after after people around us, you know. Uh, and we should. We should. We need to get it back. We should. And maybe, maybe it is. Maybe you're right. And I have to show it to his gritted tooth. I've got to get out of my car, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and actually interact with my fellow human beings in ways that I've lost doing I can thoroughly recommend it. Yeah, and you get your exercise and all that stuff as well. You don't have to yeah. use a bicycle, but yeah, it's. it's a, yeah, I mean, there are limits yeah. to how far you can walk in a, you know, within an hour. Um, yeah. Whereas you can, I mean, how far can you cycle? Can I cycle in an hour at a very leisurely pace? You can get uh, 15, 20 miles probably quite easily, mm -hmm. yeah. especially mm -hmm. on an e-bike. Mm -hmm. uh, big, massive yeah. radius opens up to you. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to link to a, an article on lowtechmagazine.com, a fame, really cool website that I like, um, and actually got the printed version for Christmas. But it's, a, it's an article about called The Revenge of the Hot Water Bottle. Um, so it's, it's advocating for, as a, as a simple, low-tech, but mega, mega efficient source of heating in the winter is the hot water bottle. <laughs> so and it talks about the history of hot water bottles and how they came and where we're up to now and how even now it's just a really really good way of heating a body so traditionally you know a heating system like you've got right behind you and i've got over there 
it's a it's an object in the room that slowly heats the room and you eventually you'll get to feel the benefit whereas what we should actually be doing is heating the object that, that needs heating and the best way to do that is a hot water bottle down your jumper or on your seat where were the first hot water bottles ceramic Are they made of yeah it's got, it's got some photos of original ones metallic ones and ceramic ones and uh Mostly through to modern day rubber and uh, plastic ones, which, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really fascinating actually. But yeah, get onto it with the hot water bottle stuff. Look, absolutely loved yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love looking at Yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. All righty. We'll leave it there for now. Hey. Yeah. Keep smiling. You and too, sure. Get my hot water bottle. Wish me luck with my, uh, with my COVID tests. We'll see how we go. Yeah, hey, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I hope that your little one is okay. He's generally loving life. Actually, he's home, home with uh, YouTube, I'm doing a little bit of work, yeah. but he's fine. Yeah, he's loving life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thanks, Sean. I'll see you all. Okay. See you soon. Care. See ya. Bye. 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 Bye.